Mama. This is Carianna and Kayla, two best friend moms and your co-hosts of Sleep Talking Moms. We know that tackling sleep issues can feel overwhelming and confusing, so we are here to provide you with practical sleep advice. We want you to walk away from each episode with information you can actually use. Let's dive in and talk sleep. Welcome back to the Sleep Talking Mom podcast. And today, I know you've been waiting with bated breath. We are talking about daylight saving time. We are six days away from the time change, and we will be falling back an hour. So Sunday, that's when it's going down. I know some of you have been messaging me about what to do for a while, and I, one, I don't like to start looking at it weeks and weeks before because I feel like it just makes us more anxious because we're like, oh crap, this is coming, oh no, this is coming, Um, but also you don't need to have a plan way in advance, okay? Six days is plenty of time. You're going to see, I'm going to give you a couple different options of what you can do. Really, two, maybe four days is the most time you need. So we're going to talk through all the specifics of that. And I also want to just make you aware if you are less of an auditory learner and more of a visual person or a reader, I have linked my blog in the show notes, as well as at the end of that blog, I have a couple of screen grabs for you that you can just easily screenshot um, that will take you through some of this stuff. It will be like a condensed version of what's in the blog and what we talk about here. So however you learn best, there's something for you here, okay? So first, let's all take a deep breath it's going to be okay. I know this is the harder time change of the two because with this time change, since the clocks are falling back an hour, we are essentially expecting our children to start sleeping an hour later in the morning. And if you already have an early riser, that feels pretty daunting to you. So first thing, couple things I want to talk about before we jump into plans of action. Okay. Cause I'm going to give you plans of action. Um, First is we need to make sure that your child's room is very dark in the morning, okay? So um, since we're expecting them to sleep an hour later, essentially that means it's going to be light an hour earlier for them. And if there is any light creeping in through their windows, that is going to make it harder for them to get adjusted to this new schedule. So double check that your blackout curtains, that your blackout covers, that your blinds are working well. Um, Go into their room right now about an hour later than when they're waking up because that's how bright it's going to be when we still want them to be sleeping. And do your due diligence. Fix things. Maybe you don't have a window solution and you need one. Um, You guys know I love blackout easy window covers. I'll also link those in the show notes. So get something that is going to keep it pitch dark in there because any light is going to signal to their brain that it's time to wake up. And if we don't want them waking up, we've got to preemptively get all that light blocked out. Okay, so that's homework number one. The next thing I want to talk about is you're going to obviously have different expectations depending on what kind of sleeper your child is, okay? So if you do not have an independent sleeper, and by that I mean your child needs help to fall asleep, whether it's 
rocking or nursing or a bottle or a passy replace, whatever that your situation looks like, if they currently need help to fall asleep at bedtime in the middle of the night, early morning, they're still going to need that help to make it an extra hour and to sleep longer. So it's not like um, these shifts that I'm talking about and these plans that I walk you through are going to magically just get them sleeping later, they're still probably going to need help just like they need right now throughout the night. So just want you to go into that with clear expectations. If you want to work on independent sleep, I'm your girl. I'd love to help you, but that is a whole different subject, obviously. Um, Now, if your child is an independent sleeper, you are going to want to lean in to their skills, okay? So I really want you to give them the opportunity and the space to use those skills. We've got to trust in what we've taught them and the tools we've put in their toolbox. And not to say we have to ignore them or we can't help them, but our first instinct needs to always be to pause and to see if they can use their skills themselves, okay? Um, So those are kind of all the disclaimers I think are important pieces before we jump in and actually talk about plans. So we're going to talk about two specifically. I'm, I may briefly mention a third one, um, but I'm not going to go into a bunch of details about the third one. So the first plan, don't laugh, is actually no plan at all. It is the do nothing plan. Okay. This is what me and my family do. Um, I do not think this is the right plan for every family, but it can be the right plan. So here are the cases when I would use it. I would use it if you have an older child that is on one nap or less, okay, so one or zero nappers. Um, I would use it if you, maybe you have a younger child that's on more than one nap, but they are very laid back and chill when it comes to sleep, um, and they're not super schedule sensitive, okay? So if you have a little one where you have an off day of naps, And then you know that that night or the next morning is going to be rough because of it, is going to be really rough, then I would say you have more of a sensitive sleeper. The do-nothing plan would not be the best option for you. But if you can have an off day of naps and you know, yeah, my child's still going to sleep fine at night. They're going to go down fine at bed. They're going to do great sleeping all night. If that's more of your child, then the do-nothing plan would be fine for you because they're not, it doesn't sound like they're super sensitive to those schedule um, tweaks and changes, okay? So if that sounds like your situation, let's go with the do nothing plan. So in this one, you literally do nothing. You put them to bed at the same time as usual on Saturday night, and then come Sunday morning, your clocks are going to be changed, all right? So if usually they're waking up, let's say 6.30, for example, um, is your typical morning time, okay, that they're waking up. Come Sunday of daylight saving time, what is 6.30 on the clock to their body will feel like 7.30. So that's an hour later, obviously, that we're expecting them to sleep. And you are going to have them stay in their bed, stay in their crib, stay in their room until the 6.30 time on the clock even though to their body, that feels like 7.30, okay? So they're probably not going to sleep until 6.30 on the clock. They may be up at 5.30 on the clock because that would be more their normal wake-up time. But we're going to keep them in their room, keep conveying that sleep time message to them um, so they're exposed to that darkness still for an extra hour. They're exposed to their white noise. All the signals around them are telling them, 
it's still time to sleep. And then when we do get them up, expose them to light, make a big deal about it being morning, and go about your usual daytime schedule, okay? So if you're using wake windows, that means you're going to count your first wake window from the 6.30 time on the clock that you're getting them out of their bed, not the time that they actually woke up, all right? Hopefully that makes sense, and then your day just goes on accordingly, and you're on you're on your usual schedule. Still will feel weird to them. They're going to need several days to adjust, and that's normal with either option we choose, but that is the do-nothing plan, okay? Basically, you are just following your usual times and your usual processes, you are looking at the clock rather than thinking, oh, well, they used to wake up here, so I'm going to do something different. No, you're just using your regular time according to the clock. Okay, next plan. So the 30-minute shift is ideal if you have a younger baby that's on multiple naps um, and they're not particularly laid back about sleep and schedules. If you have maybe a child that is a one-napper or no naps and is more of a sensitive sleeper, um, this would be a good option. Also, if you have an older child that has, uh, you know, is out of a crib and can like come and go from their room as they please and you're like, I have no idea how I would keep them in their room and hour extra in the morning, then this might be a better option, okay? Always good to have those boundaries and those um, rules around what time they're waking in the morning so you are in control of when they leave their room versus them just getting up and leaving them their room whenever they feel like it. Um, but again, that is a whole different topic. That's something we can work on if you're wanting to tackle that. But for this podcast, if we're talking about that 30-minute shift, I want to walk you through that, okay? So with a 30-minute shift, um, it's really just going to be done over two days. So Saturday night before the time change, you are going to put your child down for bed, aim for 30 minutes later than their usual time, okay? So you may achieve that by just keeping them up an extra 30 minutes before bedtime, or you may try to um, kind of add that in, sprinkle that in throughout the day. So maybe... Uh, you know, if they're on multiple naps, maybe you keep them up 15 extra minutes before their last nap and then 15 extra minutes before bedtime to kind of reach that 30 extra minutes in their day. But basically, however you do it, aim for 30 minutes later for bedtime. All right, so come Sunday morning, we're continuing with this 30-minute shift. So when they wake up in the morning, they're probably going to wake an hour earlier than we want them to. If your child magically sleeps in on daylight saving time, go you. That is amazing. <laughs> but they probably won't. And so what we're going to do is we want to not get them out of their room, out of their crib, until we're within 30 minutes of that usual wake-up time. So for example, if 6.30 a.m., is the usual time they're waking, then that means six o'clock a.m. is the earliest we're going to let them be up, be exposed to light and stimulation and start their day on Sunday, the first day of daylight saving time. Okay, so 30 minutes earlier than usual, that's the earliest we let them start their day. Okay, so if you have an independent sleeper, that means you're just going to give them space in their room. Maybe you do some checks on them, but for the most part, give them their space. They're comfortable in their crib. 
they'll be just fine. Um, if you have a little one who needs your help to fall asleep, you're probably going to have to go in and help them back to sleep while making sure that you're keeping it very dark, not being chatty with them. If they aren't interested in going back to sleep, that's okay. You're still just sitting with them in the dark until we hit that um, that that mark, that 30 minutes before their usual wake-up time, okay? So then that in turn is going to shift their whole schedule about 30 minutes earlier than it usually is, okay? So naps are going to fall about 30 minutes earlier. Bedtime again is going to fall about 30 minutes earlier, if you use wake windows to determine how their day goes and where you put naps in bedtime, you're going to count that first wake window from the time you're getting them out of their room, not the time they actually wake up. And then again, like I said, bedtime Sunday night, about 30 minutes earlier. Okay, it's okay for it to still be earlier. Then come Monday morning, we are right back to our usual time on the clock that we let them start their day. So if they usually are waking at 6.30, then that's the time they're going to stay in their crib. They're going to stay in their room until 6.30 on Monday. So starting Monday, we're right back to our old schedule. So basically, they have a day in there to adjust about halfway, and then we push them the rest of the way. So Monday starts off normal. That is the 30-minute shift. Again, I would recommend that for younger babies or more sensitive little ones, or if you just have a really hard time um, keeping your child in their uh, in their room. If, you, if you're not firm with those morning boundaries, I would recommend the 30-minute shift. Okay, and then I, I also mentioned I would briefly talk about a third option. Um, this is this one I feel like it's just more confusing than anything because it spreads it out over several days. Um, but if you if 30 minutes feels like too much of a shift for you, you could do 15-minute shifts instead. Um, I, I would not do this with older children. I would only do this with young babies. Um, but you would basically do the 30-minute plan but start, you know, a day or two before daylight saving time and just shift by 15 minutes every day instead of 30 minutes, okay? So that is an option. To me, that just gets way too complicated. We get all in our heads too much. And honestly, I don't feel like it makes a huge difference. Whichever option you choose, your child is going to have an adjustment period. It's going to be a rough week of sleep, okay? Just kind of settle yourself in for that. Have your expectations there. Um, and and if it goes smoother and goes quicker, great. If not, then you've, you've prepared yourself that it's going to take about a week for them to adjust, okay? So I hope that this helped you, that this wasn't even more stressful for you. I hope that having a plan is helpful. And like I said, in the show notes, go to the link um, for my blog. And at the end of that blog, I have screen grabs for you, whichever plan you choose, so that you can just quickly screenshot it and then it's there on your phone and you can, you know, look at it again if you, if you need some more help there. Guys, this is the last episode of season one. So we will be back. Kayla and I will be back with season two um, in 2022, but we're going to take a break for the holidays. Um, I'm going to miss doing this on a weekly basis because we had so much fun doing this and sharing this with you guys and hearing your feedback. And I would love if you would take a second 
to either send me a DM on Instagram if you liked this season, if there's anything that stood out to you or that you would like to see us cover in the future that you would like to hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. So send me a DM on Instagram at all the sleeps, or if you don't do Instagram, send me an email, sleep at allthesleeps.com. I would love to hear feedback from you about the podcast and what you would like to hear. Um, It would just make my day to hear from you. So let us know and we will be talking to you in a couple months. Again, we'll be back in your ear. Good luck with this time change and please know you can always reach out to me if you are stressed out or confused or freaking out about this time change. So reach out to me. Let me know if you have issues. I would love to help you. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Sleep Talking Moms podcast. We hope you are walking away from this episode feeling empowered and encouraged to tackle your sleep issues. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to grab a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, and tag us at all the sleeps. See you next time.